Uh, we're starting a new series today um, called The Holy Spirit Is. And if I were to ask you that question, the Holy Spirit is what? What, what? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways to answer that question, right? Like, how would you answer that question, the Holy Spirit is? And so in this whole series, what I want to do is talk about who the Holy Spirit is, and I want to encourage your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, we, all, we all know, we've heard, or most of us have heard, if not all of us, of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to give you three ways to follow the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, um, let, let's talk about where there's a disconnect. Oftentimes, uh, through the last many hundreds of years of church history, the Father has been emphasized, Father God has been emphasized a lot, Jesus the Son has been emphasized a lot, but the Holy Spirit has not been emphasized so much until about the last hundred years or so. And I think it's partly because, or at least part of our disconnect or lack of, lack of ability to relate is because the title, we, we, we generally relate well to things that we already have a working title to understand. So basically when we say God the Father, we, okay, look, everybody knows what a dad is. Everybody knows what a father is. And the truth is, if you, even if you had a bad father, you might say, okay, I get it. God's like a father, but not like maybe the father I had. He's a good father. So we have a point of reference. A son, everybody knows what a son is. You know, this is a, a male child, right? This is somebody's son. But when you get to Holy Spirit, like, what is a spirit? I don't, it, it's, a, it's a formless essence, and I don't really have a point of reference for it. It kind of reminds me, um, when I was a kid, I, I have a lot of my family on one side was from way out in the, in the country in Tennessee, right out in middle Tennessee in the sticks, you know? And so I remember going to a family reunion when I was a kid, and uh, some of these relatives, I already knew who they were, then I would, you know, got to know more of them. But see, here's the thing. I had these relatives, and I tried to understand how to relate to them based on their title, but their title didn't help me too much. So I had a, I had a now some of you, I appreciate your refinement. You have an uncle, and then your uncle's wife is, is what? It's, okay, if you're, if you're refined, she's an aunt, Right? Well, we weren't from that part of the country. And many of you say, no, that's not an aunt, that's an aunt, right? Not where I'm from, it was an aunt. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about, I'm talking about past the, the suburbs, like way out in the city. So I had this lady in my family, her name was Aunt O'Daly. And I thought, maybe O'Daly's her last name, I don't, I don't know how that happens. And then her sister was named Aunt O'Dessie. And then I was really thrown off. I don't know. But Aino Daly's husband was, uh, we called him Uncle Woodrow. I told you, we're, we're back there. Uncle Woodrow. I guess after President Woodrow Wilson, I don't know. Uh, uncle Woodrow. And I remember calling him Uncle Woodrow, and then we went home one day, and my dad said, he's not your uncle. And I went, I didn't know. He's your great uncle. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, I, this is all confusing to me. And we went to a big family reunion. They would all talk about this place called, um, they said, oh, it was over there by Searle's Place. And I never knew what Searle's Place was. I don't know if it was a country store. I didn't know if it was where a guy named Searle lived. You should see, I don't even know how to spell it. You should see it in my notes. I don't even know how to write it down. I never met Searle. I still don't know who Searle is to this day. I just know he had a place <laughs> over there somewhere, Searle. 
And, and then there was a guy in our family who I never met. He passed before I was old enough to meet him. His name was Uncle Brother. And I still don't, for the life of me, know who that guy is. So I just gave up make the banana pudding. You know, I didn't really know how to relate to people. But I think that's what happens to us sometimes. We know how to relate to people based on how they fit in the structures we understand. But a spirit is formless essence with no way to relate. So God in his wisdom gave us pictures in the Bible to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. And that's what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at these pictures one, one each week. The Holy Spirit is like wind, water, fire, and oil. And that's what we're going to do is look at these pictures so that we might gain a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's not like a father. He's not like a son. He's like the wind. Well, what's that like? Well, have you ever seen the wind? No, but you see its effect. I remember when we lived, all the years we lived on the Gulf Coast, we had a lot of storms, hurricanes and tropical storms, all this, and we had one that came through, and just because I was, you know, young and stupid, and I was from Tennessee and didn't know anything about hurricanes, I decided, wouldn't it be kind of cool to experience one? So I went out in the backyard, and I heard a 100-mile-an-hour sustained wind is coming out. I wonder what that feels like. And so I went out there, and as the wind was just cutting my hair back, you know, and trees are bending over, and, and the fences are rattling, and lawn chairs are rolling down the street, and dumpsters are rolling over, you know, and I'm just out there feeling, and yeah, I know, I know. You look, you see, you poor, dumb person. How have you lived this long? I don't know. But not one time in that whole experience did I ever see the wind, but I saw its effect. And if you've ever sat out on a beautiful spring day and felt a gentle breeze blow on your face, or you sat at the ocean and the beach and felt the breeze come in off the ocean, you've never seen the wind, but you felt its effect. You saw its impact on the things around you. We can't see the Holy Spirit. No one sees the Holy Spirit, but we can see his effect. When you see the trees bend over, you know there's a wind, right? So how do you catch the wind? <laughs> I mean, do you get a tennis racket? You know, it's kind of like when we try to sense the Holy Spirit with our senses, with taste or, you know, sight or hearing. It's kind of like you get a tennis racket and you just swat at it, but the wind blows straight through a tennis racket. You're never going to do it that way. Or, or maybe sometimes because we're, um, committed to our own agenda or have our own dreams, our own plans. We want to try to trap the wind in a box, you know? Maybe if we can capture it in a box, then we can let it out when we want to and direct it and guide it and tell it what to do and what not to do and all of that. That's not a good way to catch the wind either. You really can't catch the wind, but let me give you a picture that will show us how to catch the wind. This is how you catch the wind. You raise your sail. You don't control the wind you don't own the wind. You don't cre uh, uh, create the wind. The wind is the wind. It's its own thing. But what you can do is you can raise yourself. How do you follow the Holy Spirit? You can't contain the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't control the Holy Spirit. You can't guide the Holy Spirit. You can't direct the Holy Spirit. But you can raise your sail and catch his, and catch his wind, catch the direction that he's going. And so how do we do that? Let me give you three ways this morning to, 
to raise your sail, okay? Number one, learn to hear God's voice. Now, what I mean by that is, uh, I say learn because nobody's born knowing how to do it. Um, Everybody who's good at it learned it, and everybody's still learning it. There are no Jedi masters in the kingdom that have it all down and all right all the time and don't have more to learn. So here's what the good news is. You don't have to be in a hurry. This isn't a sprint. This is a journey. It's something we learn all of our life. So learn to hear God's voice. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the Bible describes this relationship between you, you and God that can best be described as him talking and you hearing, him speaking and you somehow hearing his voice. Dallas Willard said this, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they can have a personal relationship with God. I'm, I'm always discouraged when I hear somebody say, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and God's only spoken to me about once or twice in my whole life that I know for sure it was him, you know? And I'm always discouraged when I hear that because what they mean is, God spoke to me in such a lightning rod moment of absolute distilled clarity that I and everybody around me knew it and there was no mistaking it. And by the way, that's God's voice and nothing else is his voice. If you're waiting for that, you're going to miss a lot of what God has to say because God has a lot of ways to speak. And if we're going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to be open to all the ways that God speaks, not just one way or two ways, right? So that's why, how I want to encourage your relationship with him. Don't think about God's voice as a lightning rod that strikes, that's undeniable. Sometimes God will speak that way, but most of the time he will not. Don't think about God's voice as an amber alert. You know what an amber alert is, right? When a kid's been abducted and all our phones blow up, you know, and you just see it go everywhere. Don't think about his voice as an amber alert. Think about his voice as a cell phone tower. He's sending a signal out all the time. And you can't, you can't see it. You might not even be able to feel it. And you don't even know the signal's going out unless you look at your phone and you see if you have bars. But if you're a Christian, you got coverage all the time. So he's always speaking. Now, how many of you have ever prayed, like this is just a moment of honesty, right? I'll go ahead and tell you I have. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like this? You're in a hurry. You got more to do than you got time to do. You got to go to Walmart. Nobody wants to go to Walmart. I'm not talking about the little one. I'm talking about the big one. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not the baby one. I'm talking about the giant one. You know, it's got about 18 handicapped spots near the front. And, you know, and then you're back here on Highway six, I-65 trying to find a place to park, right? <laughs> and you're saying, oh, God, could you just open me up a spot right near the door? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Come on, come on. I'm not trying to do anything sinful. I'm trying to do good. Come on, open, a, open me a spot. You know, forget everybody else. Just open me a spot. 
because I'm the only one trying to do good probably. So just open me a spot up. You know. And, and, and I, here's what I honestly think. After walking with the Lord for a long time, I think that there are times and seasons that God actually responds to that prayer uh, oftentimes for, for younger believers because he wants them to know he's real, he wants them to know he cares, and he wants them to know he loves. But there does come a point in your relationship with him that he'll go silent on stuff like that because he wants you to mature. Because he wants you then to begin to hear him not about the external things like, can you get me a good parking spot or what color socks should I wear today? Or, you know, what should my phone number be? I got to pick a phone number. What are the magic numbers, magic digits? Not that. He wants to start to talk to you about deeper things of the kingdom. And so he can't let you stay there. He wants to affirm his love out there, but he can't let you stay there because it's not best for you or me. He wants to bring you into a deeper relationship. So, so oftentimes, so much of what God is telling you, now I want you to listen to this, is not about the content of what he's saying. It's about the direction that he's leading. Okay? It's not so much about, hey, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me, and he's opening up to my soul the mysteries of the universe. He probably won't. What he will do is he will lead you deeper. Now follow me. The Holy Spirit, most of what he speaks to you is going to be leading you deeper. Now here's what I've done, best as I can. I'm you know, one little human you know, who's had one relationship with God and all that. Best as I can, what I've tried to do is define what are those areas that God leads us deeper. And what are those areas? If the Holy Spirit's a cell phone tower and he's always speaking and always leading and always guiding and always working, what are those things he's trying to lead us deeper into? So if you have some point of reference and you know kind of what God's talking about, if it's not about the parking spot at Walmart and it's not about the color of your socks and it's not about your phone number, then what is he talking about? Okay, so I'm gonna give you a few here this morning that I think will help us. The Holy Spirit is leading you into deeper closeness to Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. He lifts up Jesus. He points you to Jesus. He reveals Jesus to you. In our last series that we looked at Paul's prayer in the first chapter of Ephesians, it said the Spirit is working your life that you may know him better. Like the, the Spirit's talking to you about Jesus, and he's talking to you about how he can direct you. He's giving you a direction. Let's go this way so we can get closer to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is leading you into deeper love and reconciliation with those around you. What he's, what he's saying is, is look, 1 John, if anyone, if the love of the Father's not in them, then, then that's disobedience. To obey God is to love. And so the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about reconciling and, and uh, showing love in the relationships around you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you about wholeness and spiritual freedom. He's talking to you about how to follow the Holy Spirit in a deeper way, so much so that your spirit and mind and soul will be set free. And you'll become whole. 
You'll, you will heal and recover from the damage that living in a sinful world has done to you. He's speaking to you and leading you deeper into a life of fruitfulness and eternal impact. So he's saying, say this to that person. You know, invite this person to come with you to whatever. Share your faith with this person. Offer to pray for this person. Offer an act of kindness to this person. He's talking to you about your calling. He's talking to you about your giftings. He's talking to you about your personality and your strengths and how he shaped you and how he made you that you might leverage all of that for fruit that will show up in eternity. He's leading you deeper. He's leading you deeper into, into deeper awareness, submission, and obedience to the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about follow the Holy Spirit even when it's hard. Follow the Holy Spirit even when it's uncomfortable. Follow the Holy Spirit even when it's new and you don't really understand where you're going. Raise your sail. <laughs> Let the wind drive you. Uh, follow him when... Um, you have a, a challenge of the will. Okay, remember when Jesus said, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, but not what I want, but what you want. In those moments when you really, really know what you want, it just happens to not be what God wants. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's gonna lead you to, to surrender that and to obey him and follow him. The Holy Spirit's gonna lead you um, into deeper wisdom and generosity and stewardship, and ultimately submission to the lordship of Christ that you and I actually don't own anything. We are owned by the Lord. And therefore, everything we have, every idea we have, every dollar we have, every gift we have, every material good that we have, every property that we own, really, we don't own. He owns it all. And that's what the Holy Spirit's talking about. He's not talking about, did you get your spot at Walmart? So if we're going to learn to hear his voice, it helps. And if we're going to learn to follow him, it helps to know what kind of things is he talking about. So God speaks through dreams. How, how might he speak these things to you? He speaks through dreams and other believers and inner impressions. And sometimes a thought will pop in your mind and it will be God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He speaks through pictures. Sometimes a picture will pop in your mind. He speaks through the church. But here's the best way God speaks. It's not the only way. The best way God speaks is through the Bible. The best way, the Bible is the clearest picture we have of God's voice. In the scripture, we see a, the clearest revelation of his character, of his heart, of his priorities, of his voice, of what kind of God he is. How else would we even know these things? So let me, let me give you a, a, a quick outline that I think um, clogs our mind oftentimes, okay? This is not a criticism of any uh, discipline of, of academia, but it is just to try to frame for us in an oversimplistic way how, how we sometimes struggle to hear God's voice, all right? The Bible is a supernatural book. Unlike any other book or any other base of knowledge ever written in world history. And it is a collection of God's thoughts. It doesn't contain all of God's thoughts. No book could do that. But it's a collection of the thoughts that God primarily wanted to reveal to humanity. Okay? Theology are people's thoughts about God. 
Psychology are people's thoughts about people. Philosophy are people's thoughts about people's thoughts. Right? So, and you can just keep going down the list. So what's entertainment? Well, it's people's thoughts about, you know, what's entertaining? What's the news? It's people's thoughts about the events in the world. What's social media? It's the darkest thoughts in world history. I mean, I don't, you know, <laughs> you just keep going down. You just keep, you see what I'm saying? But, but, what, but look, what happens is everything here can be categorized in one way, people's thoughts. And so what happens is, is our hearts and our minds are so clogged up with movies and media and news and video and opinion and perspective and worldview and, and some, sometimes uh, uh, educational systems and philosophies and all of this stuff, and it clogs our heart and our mind up so much so we can't hear. We're talking about hearing the Holy Spirit. We can't hear the Holy Spirit. How can you hear the Spirit speak to you if you don't know what his thoughts are? Well, where do you find his thoughts? The only one place that I know for certain. It's the Bible. I'm not saying the Bible is the only way God speaks. It's not. But I'm saying the Bible is the place that we learn how God thinks so that we might understand when he speaks everywhere else. How, how, how else do we know? So... God, in his wisdom, actually wrote his thoughts down in the scripture. So do you have a habit of reading the Bible? You're going to have a very difficult time catching the wind if you don't have a habit of reading the Bible. You're going to have a very difficult time. Your sail will not be up. You might be zigzagging here, there, and yonder, but it doesn't mean you're following the Holy Spirit. Because how, where did you get that discernment from? You have to get it from the book that he wrote. So I would, I would recommend to you when I say a habit of reading the Bible, I don't just mean reading, just reading and reading and reading, but reading, contemplating, meditating, studying, Searching deeper for what, did he, what does that mean? Wrestling with how would I live that out in my own life? How would I do that? How would I even do that in 21st century America? And wrestling with those truths. That process will help you immensely. You know, in January, um, when I, all these health problems just blew up on me, and I, I was really homebound for a couple of weeks, I can't tell you how comforting it was for me, um, the devotional that uh, Pastor Jeremy compiled. And every day I would get up and I would sit before the Lord in silence and wait on him. And I would open the devotional and I would open to whatever passage it was and I would open the scripture. And I'm just telling you, there, there were uh, painful and dark and overwhelming days for me in January. But, but as I would read the scripture my mind would shift. It would shift my mind. And it would recenter me on Jesus. And it would recenter me and it would bring my thoughts to life. Because I was caught in my own thoughts. And my own thoughts don't produce life. But God's thoughts produce life. And so I can't tell you how comforting and how life-giving the scripture was to me through January. And it opened me up 
to the work of the Holy Spirit even when I wasn't reading the Bible. But if I didn't have that time, I wouldn't have that openness. So I just want to say it to you like this. The more you engage the Bible, the more you will begin to recognize his voice outside the Bible. But the Bible's the best tool we've got to hear God's voice. Number two, if you want to follow the Holy Spirit, you're like, man, I thought we were going to hear something we've never heard before. Pray. No, because there's nothing new under the sun. The, the, The way is the way. (laughs) right? So pray. Now what I mean is I don't mean like mindless reciting, you know, of a prayer you memorized when you were a kid. I'm not saying there's not power in that at times. I'm saying whatever you're praying, if you're disconnected from it, whether you memorized it or you're making it up, it doesn't, it it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about trying to figure out how to perfectly present yourself before God. Because I don't know if you realize, none of us are perfect. We all miss the cut. So there is no way to perfectly present yourself before God. There is no way to say the perfect prayer or to be the perfect person or to get in the perfect posture or approach God the perfect way because we are incapable of perfection. So God doesn't expect perfection. But what we do is we come to God as we are. To try to come to God perfectly would be to be fake. And God, God already knows all that. So we come to God as we are, and when I say prayer, I mean as a conversation with God. So let me give you an example. Maybe you've struggled with prayer. I think a lot of us have. And maybe, let's say you're coming to a time, you go, okay, I know prayer's important, and I know I want to follow the Holy Spirit, and I want to be open to God, and I want to grow and all that, so I'm going to have to learn how to pray. So here you are, here we are praying. And you get there, and you just can't think of what to say. Like, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. Start there. So maybe, maybe your prayer sounds something like this. Lord, I'm, I know that prayer's important. I know I'm supposed to be talking to you. I don't know how to talk to you. Help me know how to talk to you. You know what that's called? Prayer. <laughs> that's called prayer. And you're just meeting God and the honesty of the moment of where you're at. And you know what he will do? He will so meet you there and he will so guide you and he will so, to the Holy Spirit will teach you and he will lead you in the truth. And man, before you know it, you'll be, you'll be praying in a whole different way. But you have to keep meeting him and that's why, maybe you pray and you say, look, I try, but I keep getting distracted. You know, maybe you have an overactive mind. You know, who doesn't these days? You have overactive mind and I, I go to pray and next thing you know, I'm thinking about Taco Bell. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, this video I saw, on, and, I'm, and I'm in a YouTube hole. I don't even know how my phone got out. My phone's out, and I'm watching videos. I don't even know what I'm doing. This thing's blowing up on me. This isn't prayer, you know, so you just quit. Let me encourage you, when you pray, if your mind's distracted, whatever thought pops in your mind that's not prayer, just write it down. Say, okay, I'm going to put that aside right now. If it won't go away, pray for it. Just say, you know, God, I, this isn't really why I came to pray today, but I can't get it out of my mind, so I'm going to go, I surrender this issue to you. I don't know how to solve it. I don't know whatever the issue is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it to you. So, Lord, today I'm asking you to take this so that, so that I, you and I, I can meet with you because what's really important is, is I meet with you today. And just make, and look, I've done that before and had 10 or 15 things on paper when I was done. You know, whew. Or you can let the list grow, and when you're done with your prayer time, Make that your prayer list. 
and just pray over those are the things that keep running through your mind. Many years ago, I don't know, eight, eight or seven or eight years ago, nine years ago, we were in 21 days of prayer and my wife had gotten really sick and uh, we had battled so much as a family and it was, it was just an overwhelming and dark time. And um, I was walking and praying and praying and fasting in our 21 days and I was just praying to the Lord about some of these things. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He popped this thought in my mind I'd never heard anywhere before and it has been an absolute guide for me for years. This thought popped in my mind that I, that I believe is from the Holy Spirit that says, don't follow your feelings, feel your feelings. So feel your feelings, don't follow them. Well, I had a lot of feelings. But at that time in my life, unbeknownst to me, I thought those emotions were a problem to be fixed. So I'm in prayer all wired up trying to figure out how to resolve them. And God's saying, don't resolve them, fill them. Just don't follow them. And I can't describe for you from that moment um, as, the, as the months went by, the freedom that it brought me to come to God and say, God, I'm so mad right now, I'm angry. What's happened to my wife's not fair. And I'm angry about that. And, and, I, and I, all we've done is served you all our life. Why do we deserve this? And I could express that anger. Or I'd say, I'm sad. I'm so sad today. I'm sad about this, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how to fix that. I don't know how to be a sad pastor. How, does it, how do you pastor when you're sad? You know? And, and, but as I would express those things, you know what it did? It gave me strength to not live out of them later. I didn't have to, I, was, I had permission from God not to fix them. I didn't have to fix them, I just had to feel them. And then, and then I didn't have to react to people out of, I didn't have to snap at somebody out of anger. Or I didn't have to snap, I didn't, I didn't have to let that direct me. I wanted to have my sail up and catch the wind. I didn't want to be driven by my emotions. So that's, the, that's what I mean when I mean prayer. <laughs> I'm talking about real stuff. I'm talking about real life. I'm talking about real you. You come to God, and what you're doing is you're giving God access to your soul. And man, when his spirit has access to your soul, really, really, really beautiful things happen. Like amazing things begin to happen on the inside of you. Prayer grows your awareness and your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this about the Holy Spirit's work to help us pray. Listen to this. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. I mean, have you ever said, yeah, sometimes I just don't know what to pray for? Well, it's in the Bible, so it's okay. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He knows exactly what to pray. And he prays with you and through you. Amazing. If you want to follow the Holy Spirit, you have to invest time in your life in prayer and, and Bible reading. All right, number three, last one. Live a surrendered life. Jesus is the best example of a surrendered life we've ever seen. The most surrendered human that ever lived. 
Listen to what he said in John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing. Listen, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the father's taught me. So Jesus is saying, I'm not even saying what I want to say. I'm saying what the Father taught me to say. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Whew. You're talking about Jesus' sail was always up. <laughs> and he always caught the wind. Because he did, he always did what pleased the Father. That's a great goal. That's a great life to strive after that I always do what pleases the Father. The more surrendered life you live, the more wind you're going to catch. And the more you'll follow the Holy Spirit. It isn't, isn't it true, don't you think, it's not that God struggles to speak to us? And isn't it true that it's not that we don't own a Bible? And isn't it true that the body of Christ is not unaccessible to us? And isn't it true that um, God has provided these wonderful resources to speak to us and guide us and lead us and, and help us? And, and, and it's not that, we're, that you and I have unique personalities and God speaks to everybody else, but he doesn't really speak to me because I'm not that kind of personality. Isn't that, isn't that really not what the issue is? Isn't the issue that sometimes our sales just not up? Isn't that what the real issue is? We have our own dreams and our own ideas and our own desires and our own opinions and our own perspective and sometimes our own truth. Isn't it true that the Holy Spirit isn't struggling to lead us? It's we're struggling to keep our sail up. Isn't that really what the real struggle is? I think that is what the struggle is. But if you're going to catch the wind, you have to surrender. So would you stand with me? For those of you who are worshiping with us online, our prayer team is, is present and wants to pray for you, wants to pray with you. If you just jump in the comment section and um, you can type your name, you can type your need, you can just say, I need prayer, and we'll pray for you. But as we all sing together this morning this song about the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to help you to hear Him. Would you do that? As we, as we worship, as we sing this song, would you just open your heart and mind and ask the Holy Spirit to help you hear Him today? And then we're, then we're going to pray together. Lord, I, I thank you that you've given us this precious gift you called the gift, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the God. Lord, I thank you that you're present here among us. Whether we sense it or not, doesn't change it. And Lord, I know today that you came to move. You came to, you came to do things, say things. God, I, I pray with everything inside me that you would help me to have an open heart and an open mind. And that I, I pray you'd open our eyes and ears that we might hear and see and know and live. We thank you for it, Lord, and we, and we worship you the, together this morning. Amen. Let's worship.